Well, um, exciting news. I, I, I want to start moving into our next series called The Kingdom of God. We're working on a background for it, and we're just kind of sorting out some of that stuff. Um, but we really want to emphasize in this next season of New Life City the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is. And it's always going to tie into the mission of this house and the mantle that's on this house and the mantle that's on your lives. And so uh, you can't really separate the kingdom of God and what we're called to, so you'll always kind of see that emphasis. And when we talk about the kingdom of God, um, it's gonna be a, a longer series because it's, there's so much about the kingdom of God. Uh, this is not something I've invented. It's in this book right here. It's uh, endless, really. It's just so many verses on the kingdom of God, and it describes the kingdom of God. Um, and I, I encourage you to go and read about the kingdom of God outside of our Sunday morning services. Um, you can also look at podcasts that talk about it. It's, um, it's, very, it's very important that we understand whose kingdom we're a part of and what that means. Um, see, re religion postpones the kingdom to a future experience. That's the problem with religion. Religion always points you to a future relief because religion is more concerned with you leaving the earth than impacting the earth. And by the way, we love evangelism, we love impacting the earth, and our evangelism team was just at Summerfest, and we're going to share testimonies about that next week. But I was getting reports about all that God was doing. So I just want to give that a little plug there because I forgot to talk about it. Jesus, help me. And help those who don't get offended by me. All right. So religion, in and of itself, will always use a future hope to justify its ineffectiveness. And this is the problem when we categorize Christianity just as religion, because the problem is, is that religion is often viewed as a supplement. See, Jesus is never meant to be a supplement. He's always meant to be your savior. He has to be the whole of who you are. When people complain about the ineffectiveness of the gospel or maybe the Christian uh, belief system, it's usually because they've added Jesus to their life instead of letting him take over their life. And we make him like this vitamin regiment. And we're like, you know, I've been trying Jesus, but I haven't been getting the gains I usually get, you know? <laughs> Whatever reason why we take supplements. Because we're using him in the wrong way, the wrong fashion. Jesus in our lives takes over our lives. This is the, the whole part about, you know, baptism. It's like we, we died in that baptismal pool, pool and we came back a new creation, a new life. He now lives within us. We've made him Lord and Savior of our life. And so no longer should we ever view him as a supplement, but as our whole essence, as our whole being. He is within us. And when that happens, we actually become plugged in, boom, into the family of God. How does that happen? It's a supernatural mystery. I mean, it's this amazing experience. Remember Nicodemus talking to Jesus in John 3? He's like, you know, how do I enter into the kingdom of God? You know, he's like, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? He like broke his brain. 
How do I do that? Do I need like a physical birth again? How's that going to happen? She's like, no, you need to have a spiritual birth. And now you become a child of God. Now you become a son or daughter of God. Now you have brothers and sisters that you never knew before because they have also been birthed, been born again into the family of God. And this is the thing about family, guys. I know it doesn't appeal to everybody, but everyone's welcomed at the dinner table when it's family. No matter how crazy Uncle Leo is. I had a crazy Uncle Leo. I thought he was like amazing because he was always funny and everything to me as a child. Found out as older, he was just a little crazy. <laughs> and the family tolerated him. They didn't agree with everything he said. They didn't agree with everything he did. They didn't like necessarily, you know, his hairstyle, whatever it might be. But he was family. And when people are born into the family of God, you don't separate over what you don't celebrate. You unify over what you celebrate. And of course, there's core tenets and belief systems when people are born to the kingdom of God that they believe. But we're a family. Now, family does challenge each other. At least the family of God. You know, if, if, so, if somebody's doing something that doesn't hold up to this word, it's in love that you tell them. Right? Like, if I, look, I, I get up early in the morning on Sundays and, uh, and I, get, <laughs> I get dressed with and get ready with the flashlight of my phone because I do not want to wake up the wife, the mother of my children, who's often woken up by other members of the family. So I try to, you know, spare my life a little bit. And so, you know, it's amazing how I get ready and think I did everything right and I come out and my shirt's on inside out. Or this collar's up, you know, I have no idea. Until I look in the mirror or until someone tells me, the mirror is a reflection. It's, it's, it's literally yourself telling you there's something wrong. But, but when you're around the family of God, they tell you something's wrong. Like, hey, buddy, you, your tag's sticking out, right? Like, hey, what you're doing right here, that's, that's probably not great. I have friends who tell me things that I've done that's not too great in the past, and I was like, oh, I just never noticed that, I never saw that. It's like, when, when, you're, when you're in schooling, or maybe you're writing a really important email, and you, you read it over and over, because you don't want to send it without it being perfect, and so you read it over and over, you read it over, I've, I used to have to write, you know, when I was in uh, seminary, I'd write all these book reports and, and, uh, and research papers, and I would read it over and over and over again, and I think it's good. I think it's perfect. And Ruth will be like, do you want me to read it? And I'll be like, you know, I think, because I've done it so many times now, I think, babe, I finally got it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to read it, you can. And it blows my mind when it comes back full of errors. <laughs> Why? Because my brain only sees what's important. It reads what I want it to read. I need someone else to be like, there's a bunch of stuff that's wrong here. That's what's so good about the family of God. This isn't my message. This is rabbit trail. So, you know, read this word, live by this word. And then when a family member comes around you and a couple of them start saying, hey, something might be off here. Be willing to listen. Be willing to submit it to the Lord. Be willing to change because 
they can see things you can't see. And this is all a part of the kingdom of God, even though it was a rabbit trail. So when we're talking about just future things, there's aspects of the kingdom of God that, yes, for sure, we all know it. Eternal life is salvation, final fullness with him and in him and, and you know, living in that experience. Yes, that's a part of who we are as Christians. But when we're just talking about the future, not talking about the now, you know, it's like you cannot appropriate what you postpone. If you do not believe that the kingdom of God is here and now, then you will not expect to experience it. We are to enter into the kingdom of God now. We need to have a kingdom lifestyle now. We need to understand that we are citizens to this kingdom. We are not just like some sort of membership club. It's not like Costco or Sam's Club, right? Where you, you, you got a badge or a, you know, a, a, an ID and you're like, yeah, I'm a part of the club. That's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just your ticket to salvation. It's not just your ticket into heaven. It's actually heaven getting into you. Let's look at Matthew 6.33. I was in um, Pennsylvania for the past uh, few days. I just flew out there quickly. I had... Uh, I had been invited to speak at a pastor's leaders conference, about 200 pastors and leaders. And, um, and then I, I, I'm on Global Awakenings board. And so we had a board meeting about their ministry. And, um, and it, was, it was great being there. We had a lot of fun. Uh, Pennsylvania, uh, when I landed, it was so interesting because, I mean, I've been on airplanes uh, for 10 years and I've never seen this um, it wasn't like multiple clouds, like you were going through a cloud. It was like this thin veil of just smoke. That, but it was you know, like the pressure systems kind of kept it encapsulated, and it wasn't moving. And the way Pennsylvania mountains work in Central PA, there's the Appalachian Trail that runs right through Central PA, and so anything that goes over there, it sits in the valley, doesn't move. And so that's why it's one of the cloudiest places in America. Um, and so we. We go through it, and I'm like, what? And I had no idea that there was Canadian wildfires that were going over Pennsylvania. And so um, it was apocalyptic looking. It was like I was entering into this different atmosphere. And uh, there's like a particulate scale in the weather system, kind of tells you when it's good for breathing, when it's bad for breathing. You know, you have like different colors. And um, I think it, uh, the, the average day on, with like clean air in Pennsylvania is like 26. It's usually not too bad. Well, that few days that I was there, it was like 440 something. It was like the 500 is the most that the scale goes to. And uh, it was worse than New York City, even though they showed you some pictures of New York City, Pens- uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, actually was worse than New York City. Um, and the, the sun was like orange, couldn't really see the sun very well. Just a, a wild experience. And because I was there for a few days, I was walking around. They, I walked to and back from the hotel, and my, my voice was getting hoarse. You can hear it still recovering from just being in that, in that atmosphere. But um, uh, I had a wonderful time and uh, spoke to a lot of pastors. 
and talked about this vision of getting the city of Albuquerque saved. How many know that when the city of Albuquerque gets saved, 60% of New Mexicans get saved? And I'm just passionate that God would do this, and he's not going to just do it through this church. It's going to be a city church-wide thing. So we're going to pray that every church experiences that kind of outpouring, but, but this is my heart. So Matthew 6, 33 says this. But seek first, everyone say first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you or to you. I love that verse. That verse is just so clear. There's no parabolic meaning here. There's, it's like, did Jesus mean first? Yes, in the Greek, it means first. In the Aramaic, it means first. Seek first, don't seek second, don't seek third. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Some people are worrying about where they, what they're gonna eat, where they're gonna stay, what they're gonna drink. But Jesus is saying, don't worry about that. If you seek God's kingdom first, all these things will be added unto you. All the worry and anxiety that you sometimes, that we sometimes create for ourselves fade away when the kingdom of heaven is the first thing that we seek with his righteousness. And I, I get distracted about this. Now, now, Listen, Jesus Christ, he came and he died on the cross, fully God, fully man, living a sinless life, born of a virgin. I hope you know the, the gospel story. And if you don't read the book of John, read any of the gospels, um, it will update you. And he dies on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for mankind because he, separate, he, he, he removed the separation between God and man. So the cross... Was, is, the cross was a means to an end, but it wasn't the end. See what I mean? Like we love the cross, we value the cross because it represents the connection that now we have with God, that Jesus paid the sacrifice for us. But thank God it doesn't end there. We don't stop at the cross, we go through the cross. We go to the other side of the cross. Why? Because what's happened on the other side of the cross? Jesus rises again on the third day or raises again on the third day, ascends into heaven and pours out the Holy Spirit. So not only does he connect us back to the Father and we are now connected back to God, God can live within us, but also we have entered his kingdom. And if we just stop at the cross, it's like, it's like unlocking a door, opening it and never going through the door frame. Just kind of hanging out in the door frame. And that's not the fully empowered life that Christ wants us to live. Not just the forgiveness of sin, but now the empowerment of the Spirit to live in the kingdom of God as a child of God. So when we talk about the kingdom, uh, I think we need to talk about terms and definition of terms. And I was listening to a uh, leadership podcast and just talking about creating culture. And I, I thought just what they talked about was so uh, important. One of the things they talked about was language and how language, uh, if you are leading a culture, language needs to be defined because oftentimes some culture will take uh, or society will take a word and change its meaning or it'll change over time. So you either need to give it a new name and redefine it or redefine the original word. And, uh, and so when, when I was uh, growing up, I, there was a there was a, a movement that 
it was a Pentecostal movement, and they got a hold of the kingdom of God. They got a hold of this kind of teaching, this understanding. However, this was like a young adult group. They, they started to change the meaning of the word or the phrase kingdom of God. Because they were so in love with this understanding, people would like get a new job and they'd be like, that's kingdom. You're like, okay, okay. That's kind of, they would have this phrase, that's kingdom. And then people would like get a nice car and they'd be like, that's kingdom. And then they bought brand new shoes that are really nice looking. They're like, that's kingdom. And it became like a catchphrase. And before you know it, the kingdom of God doesn't mean what it meant before. So we need to really understand the original meaning of kingdom and what we're all talking about. Now, we understand that the word kingdom is the governing influence of a king over a territory, impacting the territory with his personal will and intent. So the kingdom is a government with a territory. A kingdom is not a religion. Religion is a supplement to your life. I talked about that. Jesus brought a literal government. It's his kingdom, the king's domain. That's what kingdom means. It's a short term for the king's domain. Isaiah 9, 6, it's a prophecy of Jesus prophesying to uh, bringing the government of the kingdom of God. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And what will be? The government will be upon his shoulders. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So a government with a territory is a country. Am I right? Yes, I'm right. Okay. <laughs> In earthly terms, okay? So wherever there is a king, there needs to be a domain, a dumb, kingdom. A domain is a territory, and that's where we get the word a kingdom, a king's domain. So in the kingdom, where there is citizens, the kingdom is governing the influence of a, of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will and intent. So this is what, when we see this parallel with God, our father, he has a kingdom. It's his domain. He's the king. It's not a democracy. It's his kingdom. He sets the rules. He sets the, the, the economy. He does everything. It's his kingdom. And we are citizens of that kingdom. We are, we are a part of his family. You know, it's interesting about like um, uh, the king of England or the queen of England. Uh, there is, I'm going to get this statistic wrong, so don't take my word for it. But generally speaking, this is the reality that if everyone in the king's family died, it doesn't matter. They could always find a king related to him. It's like everyone in, that gen in, in, in the United Kingdom is related to the king somewhere. It's wild. And anything that's a part of that kingdom, it, they call that the commonwealth. Have you ever heard of that term before? The UK uses it, so they, it's a commonwealth. It's, it's, it's everyone's wealth. It's commonly wealth of the king. It's the commonwealth of the king. And so, a sovereign royal government producing a culture 
of values, morals, lifestyle that reflects the king's desire and reflects the natures of his citizens. A kingdom is a citizenry of people that reflect what and who he is like. And you can tell what a king is by, and, and how a king is like by how its citizens act and live. You get to know the king even just through the people. Why? Because the king is setting the culture and the tone. Now, we get to be representatives of the kingdom of heaven. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because we're on earth. And on earth is a broken kingdom. It's, it's a kingdom that's not fully submitted to the king of kings and lord of lords. And when we get grafted into the family of God, we are now a part of his kingdom and a part of his commonwealth. And this even comes to how we live our life free of anxiety, worry, fear, and doubt. Why? Because we trust the king. See, in the kingdom, in a natural kingdom, like let's say uh, when the monarch of England ruled, now they're just a figurehead, but at one point they ruled. Everything that the king wanted, he could just get. So if you, if you had, um, I don't know what, what they would have back then, but if you had three gold coins in your pocket. How many know that when the king said, I want those gold coins, you had to give them to him because they would always have his face on them. It was his kingdom. You think you, you possessed it, but you didn't own it. The king owned it. The king owned all the wealth in the land. Here's the thing about our lives. We don't actually own what we have. We're in possession of it. We do not own it. God owns what we have. He's asked us to steward it. Sometimes God doesn't ask us for something because he's asking for what we have. He's actually asking for his own thing. He wants just to see if you know it's his. Like, I try with all my might not to get worried or upset about all the things I own. Because if you can obsess about that, man, it's, your, your life's rough. It's hard. It's hard life. You've got a brand new minivan. How many love a brand new car? So great. The smell. I don't know how they make that smell. It's full of chemicals, but it just makes you feel good. It just, you're like, wow, it's got that new car smell still. We got a brand new minivan. At first, I'm like, wow, that's really nice. Oh, look at all these gadgets and everything. And then I thought, I should not care about this minivan. Because this minivan is going to be destroyed <laughs> in a week's time. There will be crumbs where you thought crumbs couldn't go. And I'm not going to get upset over the scratches that start building up on the minivan. Not because... Of that, but it's just like, God, thank you for letting us get this minivan, but it's not mine. I'm not going to get it. This, these things, these earthly things, they're all going to fade away one day. And I'm enjoying the fact that you provided and you sustained. You know, when Jesus says to enter the kingdom of God, he talks about entering the kingdom of God as a child. Because a child, you know, in a healthy home, in a real healthy home, doesn't have to worry about when it's going to eat in 
when it's, where it's going to sleep. These are not anxieties that build up in a child. Because a child understands that they're in a household, in a family, in a mini kingdom, where these things are all provided for. And so that, that anxiety doesn't build up in, in it. Now, an, an unhealthy household, yes, of course, you get, you get a product of children acting unhealthy. Or when the humanity of children comes out. I mean, I always see the, the broken humanity in my children when it's like they have everything they could ever want or ask for. And they get something with, of low value, but they learn this word, mine. Like they, they get what we call a poverty spirit or an orphan spirit where it's like, I don't know if I'll ever get this again or I don't know when something good is coming next. And so they start hoarding, right? What is theirs? And they don't want to share. You got to teach them. Hey, in this family, we share. You actually, we, we tell our kids, you don't own any of this stuff. We own it. We're just, we're just letting you hold it. And, and so I remember Ruth, she, she says with real strong, uh, uh, stern voice, we share in this family. That's all we do. Well, in the kingdom of God, we share. Now listen, when you start getting in possession mode where you think that everything is yours, well, then you are actually limiting yourself to the unlimitedness of God. It's like, if you're holding your hands tight, he, you, your hands aren't open for him to give you anything. And your hands aren't open for him to take things away. You, you have to live your life like this. And when he blesses you with abundance, you thank God. And when he asks you to give it away, you thank God. And when you give it away, you get more because you steward what you did well. Because he can trust you with it. Look, it's like, and this is, you know, a theoretical term, but, you know, if you had a million dollars that I could say, hey, we're going to give you a million dollars with your own bank account. It is yours or I'll give you a billion dollars of your father's bank account. It's not yours, but you get the checkbook. Hopefully you go for that father's checkbook. This is like the kingdom of God. We're accessing what he's provided for here on earth. And we get to steward it. And I'm not talking about money. I'm using that as an example. The point is everything, our love, our freedom, our joy, we have to give it away because the, the king has given it to us freely and we share it, a commonwealth among the people. See, people who, um, I, I learned this uh, with my own family, um, people who don't have much talk about it all the time. The people who talk about money constantly are usually people who don't have much of it. The wealthy they don't talk about money. I was at the dinner table one time with a, with a so my family um, struggled m most of my childhood. Um, my, the extension of my family, um, my aunt and uncle, close relatives, they owned like every party city in America, almost. All of them on the East Coast are very wealthy. They sold them all recently. But I remember talking about money and in their presence, they say, hey, we don't talk about money at the table here. It just wasn't a part of that. But when it's something that you're constantly pursuing, when you're always pursuing your lack, that's what you end up focusing on. All right, Matthew 18, three and four. 
just to reference what I said before in the Bible, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What do children do? They access freely. They enter boldly. They're, they're humble in the sense that they know that it's, it's their father who provides everything for them. They have this understanding, but in that allows them access. My kids don't care if I'm having a prayer meeting. They're too, too little. They're knocking on the door, opening up. Hey, daddy, how's it going? They, they know that they have access into this. Um, and now that we are part of the family of God and we understand him as a good father, we come boldly into the throne room because we understand the king. And so it's important that you understand the king. It's important that you know the king and you know the king through the word of God and through relationship with him because he's giving you access. Until you become dependent on the kingdom, you will never experience kingdom life. They don't think about where their food is coming from, where, where they will sleep. Children, uh, not humble, will fight. They'll, they'll, they'll argue over what is theirs. I mean, this is the disciples that Jesus feeds the 5,000, and the next moment they're worrying about what to eat for lunch. See, having the Christian name is not enough. Sometimes we, 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 we get to the cross, we, 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 we enter into salvation, and we stop there, but we never actually live the kingdom life. We never experience the Spirit's empowerment. Um, we, 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 we're constantly just living in that mindset of just repentance and not actually living as a saint by faith. And so like, saying you're a Christian's not enough, you have to live like it. You have to live according to that kingdom. Okay, I, I, uh, I have a, I usually have a wedding ring on. I feel naked without it. It, lo it got lost. I, uh, a couple days ago, it, it was like one of those silicon ones, and they kind of like got dried out or something. I don't know. The New Mexico weather got to it. I had it for a few years, and just f fell off. And uh, I ordered another one for $5. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great because it's, you know, not dangerous when you... So, um, and, and here's the thing is that a wedding ring symbolizes marriage and covenant. But it doesn't mean that you're walking in it. It could be the most beautiful wedding ring. You know, you can, it could be platinum. I don't know what the newest. It could be silicon. It could be 100% silicon. <laughs> it doesn't. It represents and symbolizes something. See, you could actually say you're a Christian. You could actually hold your Bible. You could walk the walk. You could talk the talk. But if you're not walking the walk, if you're not actually living in relationship with the King of Kings, with your heavenly Father, you could be in by name or maybe in by the, the salvation prayer, but not actually experiencing what all your brothers and sisters are experiencing, the kingdom life. Matthew 19, 17, I didn't give you that as a reference. I want to give you that to read later. But there's a man who, you know, did all the laws, was, was you know, uh, uh, he was a rich young ruler. And he comes to Jesus and he's like, what else do I need to do? I'm, what do I need to have life? Now, look, 
He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler. He obeys all the laws. Jesus says, yeah, don't murder, don't. He goes through the 10 commandments. The guy's like, I'm doing all that, but I'm still in lack. It's not fulfilling. What else is missing? And Jesus is like, you have too much ownership. Sell everything you have, follow me. And it was too hard for him. Not because he had things. I mean, when you're a Christian, you're allowed to have things. The thing is, in, in, the, in, in, the, in the scriptures, he says he has many possessions, which means these things possessed him. They ruled his life. And when what you have possesses you, you'll never let the king of kings possess you. You have to recognize it's all his. Everything you have. Your wife, your kids, it's all his. So now that we're talking a little bit about the kingdom and, a, and, and trying to define some terms, let's talk about love, peace, and joy, which um, Josh, Pastor Josh referenced. In Romans 14, 17, this is the fruit of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, when you realize that he, he holds all things in his hands and he is the sustainer of life, and, and whether you're suffering or having a great breakthrough, whether you're having many things or you're, you, you have little possessions, your joy is not based on what you physically possess because you know who you are and whose you are. So now this thing's like, yeah, I got a brand new minivan. This is amazing. Wow, my minivan's destroyed. <laughs> Praise Jesus. So thankful for my legs that I can walk and maybe I, I, I hurt my foot. God, I know this isn't your will. I know in your kingdom there's power to heal. We're gonna pray for breakthrough, but it's not gonna steal my joy. It's not gonna steal my peace because I'm pursuing your kingdom and your righteousness. And all these things get added to me. Don't let the devil deceive you by putting other things first, adding idols to your life. It's gonna, it's gonna distract you from the kingdom. It's gonna make you pursue things that not, are not kingdom. Galatians 5, 6, we understand that in Christ Jesus, neither, circumcised or, uh, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Galatians 5, 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, great gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Love is what's gonna motivate us to extend the kingdom of heaven in Albuquerque. It is faith. We have great faith. Why? Because we've experienced his love and we need to express his love to the rest of the world. We need to advance his kingdom to this world that's broken and lost and don't know what they don't know. Listen, this is like, I heard one guy post, he said, oh, I, um, he was rolling his eyes about, he's like, this is the month of celebration of the original sin you know, the pride month, right? Because it's like, you know, because, you know, pride before the fall, this is the original sin. And I, and I, and I, 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 I get it. I mean, I, I see these posts and what's going on. And, it, you know, you get kind of like angered, like what? These people are so worldly and evil and there's things that are happening. And, I'm, and it just, and, and it's like, I, it's, we shouldn't, we shouldn't accept these things. And, 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 you know, and we need to continue to, to push against the world in this way. But if it's not motivated in love, nothing will ever change. And, and, and I, and I want to say that love, I know love can be redefined many ways, and it has. 
Some, some say love is just accepting and doing everything. And I was like, well, you know, and, and it's an aspect of accepting, but love uh, doesn't just look like accepting. It looks like speaking truth. But when we pray for the city, it needs to be in love. When we advance the, you know, I, I think of, um, like I see these, these posts, these evil posts, I'm just like of different parades and the acts that are happening on these parades and the children that it's happening in front of. And it grieves my heart. It make, it, the bait of it is to make me angry. That's the bait. The other bait is to not do anything. But the option we're given is to get on our knees first and pray, God, would you help us get everyone to know your love? Because they're lost. God, would you help us share your gospel? There's a lot of Christians and non-Christians that are praying fire from heaven down on them, down on, on all of society. Because it's evil. I, I believe that there's other principalities that are trying to run this world there's two kingdoms coming together. Look, have you, do you know what creates a, a, when a high pressure system and a low pressure system comes together, what happens? Storm. Kingdom of God, kingdom of this world, there will be a storm. And I want to remove every principality from its place, for sure, that's driving this evil. But I don't want I want to be like Abraham when God approaches Abraham, the friend of God. You know, when, when God approaches Abraham, it's like, hey, we're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Where do we get the word sodomy from? Abraham's like, please. What if I find 50 righteous men? Will, will, you, will, you, will, you, will you spare the city for 50 righteous men? See, the problem is if we continue to curse the city of Albuquerque for its evil, then it only makes us pleased when we see the fulfillment of the curse. But I want, I want the success of the city in a godly way. And so I'm praying for outpouring of love and change through his power, through his word. And so I'm, I, I just get on my knees like Abraham and I'm like, God, would you spare the city, even, it, even with this evil? Will you stay your hand just a little bit longer and help us get to share the gospel one more time. Help us get to love on them one more time. Help us show them the truth one more time. I don't want to take the bait of anger because it's, it's so against his word. It does make me angry, but, but the reality is I want to, I want to get them saved. I don't, they will, you know, if you don't follow Jesus, you'll get yours eventually. But while we're still on this earth, we have an opportunity to spin it on its head. We're going to talk about this later, but the kingdom of God is upside down. Sometimes our first reaction is not the kingdom reaction. You want to lead, we serve. You want to be the first, be the last. This is how Jesus did it. So I know we all have to go to lunch soon. But I just, want to remember, I just want to remind you whose kingdom you belong to and whose you are and what he's called us to. And so we're not going to take the bait to curse. We're going to, we're going to pray like Abraham did until there's, God, would you just spare until we have a chance to, see, to, to get them saved? Because that's the mantle on our house right now. 
to get the city saved. And so I want you to know that living this way frees you from all anxiety, fear, especially when people come against you in a persecutory way or in a way that is traumatizing because you see how different that sin is or that lifestyle is. Sometimes, you know, and they'll challenge you in your home and you don't have to, you don't have, to have all these like guards up to tell them how wrong they are. All you have to do is know who you are in God and just like, you know, there's someone who loves you more than you could ever love yourself and, whoever, and loves you on this earth. You can start speaking to their true identity of how God's called them to be. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to act this way. And I'm not just talking about um, homosexuality and the transgender ideology. I'm talking about all of it, everything, all sin. Drug addicts shouldn't, shouldn't bother you. Porn addicts shouldn't bother you. Now, the, the sin should bother you. But you should say, man, this person's so lost. I want them whole. Jesus, help me get them whole. This is the opportunity we're gonna get. It's the kingdom of God. It's our call to extend the kingdom of God. It's gonna be motivated through love, through a baptism of love. I'm not gonna stop talking about that. If you are getting angry and upset, ask the Lord, Jesus, give me your love for them. Give me your love for this. Not for the act, but for them. I wanna see how you see them whole so that I can show them what it's like to live a fulfilled life. Why don't you stand? Your home is an extension of God's kingdom. It's under your authority. You're under his authority. Make sure your, your kingdom, your home, is creating an atmosphere and a presence for God. Make sure your home, my one friend calls them lighthouses of love. He's seen over a million Muslims saved in Pakistan. He goes into Pakistan boldly and brings Muslims to Jesus Christ. He can't call, and he plants a lot of churches. He doesn't call them churches. He calls them lighthouses of love. It's God's kingdom going through the nation of Pakistan. Why does he call them lighthouses of love? Because if it's not motivated by love, 1 John, we love him because he first loved us. A new commandment I give you, says Jesus, that you love one another as I have loved you. If, if we loved one another as much as he's loved us, faith works through love. Galatians 5, 6. We, God, I just, let's just raise our hands if you, if you just agree with this. God, I just want to pray for you right now. God, would you give us a baptism of love God, would you give us an understanding of your kingdom? Would you give us help, God, and, and an extension of grace to bring change to this world? Not to be satisfied with the way society's going, but God, that you would give us boldness and love to go after them. Jesus, like you're the shepherd who goes after the one who's lost. May you give us, may we, you give us that kind of love where we go after that one. We say, they're, they're yours. We start, we start looking at our friends, family members, co-workers, and, and the ones who are not saved, and we just say, God, we're just declaring them for you right now. I declare that person for you right now. I declare that person. There is nobody who's too far from your hand, God. 
Jesus, would you give them an encounter? Jesus, would you give them a revelation? Jesus, would you give me the words to say and the prayers to pray to bring them into your kingdom? Because I declare they're, they're yours. God, I thank you for this family. God, I thank you that we're all one family, many gifts, many different anointings, many ways that we move and walk but we're all grafted in as a family of God. Lord, I just pray that we would act like it. Help us, convict me, Lord, to act like it. And um, bless them as they go into the world. Bless them as they go into the world. May Jesus never be our supplement. Lord, may you always be our Lord and Savior. And so, God, I bless them. May your peace be upon them. May your joy be upon them as they pursue your kingdom and your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. Um, we want to invite people up for prayer. If you are struggling in any area, healing, you need deliverance and breakthrough in any area, if you need um, financial breakthrough, come forward. We want to pray for you. Uh, invite some of the pastors, some of the elders, um, some ministry team members, just come up. Feel free to come and we'll pray for you. Other than that, bless you guys. We will see you next week.